This sounds intro-y. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you throw me off now. Sorry. <laughs> I was right though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're not you're not wrong. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. for this so this is episode three of a podcast that i still don't really have an intro line for no um and we were going to call it that but it didn't really roll off the tongue so actually we went with the podcast uh, nobody asked for ah true yeah so this is the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris and me graham jones uh so each week we pick a topic and then we pick our top three films or tv shows of that topic before arguing over what our top three would be critically Nobody has asked for this topic whatsoever. So this week, nobody asked us to list our movies you would like to see with a different director. This was a hell of a lot of fun in kind of the the research phase, I guess. The, just the amount of... I mean, I had, I had a list as long as my arm of different um, movies I could have spoken about here. Yeah, I mean, Ta- Taika Waititi doing any Roald Dahl film. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Bay doing uh, Titanic, where it's just... Titanic with a massive explosion when it hits the iceberg. Um, uh, I think Guillermo del Toro's Monsters, Inc. could have been one of the most horrifying films ever made. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I'd love to see the character design. Also, um, in also with Michael Bay, uh, Baby's Day Out. Um, nice. <laughs> but with just, like, gratuitous explosions. Just any, any, any Michael Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Just chuck Mike... Just essentially a film that would be fa- improved with lots of explosions... Yeah, as I say, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think we... Um, it's much more of a cheery episode than last week, um, so sorry if we bummed you out last week, but um, hopefully this should be should be a bit more fun. Um, and, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, so we've... Uh, and before we get into our movies we want to see with different directors, uh, I think it's Graham's turn to give us a movie recommendation nobody asked for. Yes, and um, staying sort of in line with the... The episode theme. Um, I'm going to go with the 2013 version of Evil Dead. Um, nice, very, very good film. Very good film. Um, one of the few. I mean, horror movies are, are difficult to get right anyway, and if you're remaking a good horror movie, is even more difficult to get right. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a ridiculous amount of blood in it. Um, Record-breaking amounts of blood, I think. Oh, really? I think it's the most fake blood used in a film. It would not surprise me. It uh, beat. Um, I think the record used to be Brain Dead, the Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, not as good as Evil Dead Two, the original, because that's just one of my favorite films of all time. Oh, true. I mean, and if um, we're obviously that's a great movie recommendation, but do you have maybe a, a follow up if they've already seen if Evil you've Dead? Already, yeah, if you've seen Evil Dead. Um, so my second movie recommendation for this week would be Ari Aster's uh, Midsummer. Oh, great film. Great film. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. No, it's definitely, definitely worth people watching that. But yeah, so uh, sit back. Um, this is the podcast Nobody Asked For's movies you would like to see with a different director. Uh, I believe it's over to you, Graham. There are a lot of things that a lot of combinations could have come up with uh, for this subject. I think it was a lot of fun. The The first choice I've gone for 
is Harold Cronk directing The Exorcist. <laughs> Who the hell is Harold Cronk? I hear you cry. He's the guy in Empress New Groove, right? <laughs> so Harold Cronk um, directed a, a 2014 film called God's Not Dead, which is essentially a, a Christian propaganda movie where, um, I'll be honest, haven't watched it, just thought this kind of was quite a funny suggestion. So anyway, the Christian propaganda movie and the film that I'd like to see Harold Cronk direct uh, was The Exorcist. Um, purely on the basis that I feel if you're going to you know push your agenda in a way that is going to convince people to to come to your religion uh, you should do it in the most graphic and horrifying way possible which actually by all accounts from the critical reception he kind of did with God's Not Dead uh, yeah so I I haven't seen God's Not Dead either to the point where I only heard about it when Graham mentioned it (laughs) but the Wikipedia apparently the film presents the evangelical narrative of uh, colleges as atheist factories. <laughs> Which atheist factory did you attend? <laughs> I went to the atheist factory of Reading. Oh, me too. <laughs> so yeah, it's... Look, I can't really say much more about it than if you could present The Exorcist as fact, um, as a way to convince people that God exists. Um I think, yeah. yeah. So you're saying Harold Cronk's Exorcist would kind of be done like a documentary? I think so, yeah, yeah. I think he's he would... I, I would say take his style. No idea what his style is, how much <laughs> the movie. But I think, um, you know, it's how, how better to convince people that they should convert to your religion than um, threatening them with your possessed daughter vomiting all over you and the local priest uh, while she spider walks down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a uh, that was a thing to say. <laughs> I'm looking forward to when we get uh, when we finally get like merch and stuff. I'm getting that on a t-shirt. Yeah, I think you should. It's your next tattoo lined up. <laughs> so yeah, just think it'd be fun. Really, it's a bit of a stupid suggestion. Not gonna lie, but yeah, why not? It's good. It's good to ease in after the <laughs> emotional clusterfuck that was episode two. Hey, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you're gonna if you're gonna uh, double bill an episode, definitely just lead <laughs> straight into this. Yeah, I, I just want to see, I want to see a version of The Exorcist where not only am I you know is is the director trying to terrify me but they're also trying to convert me um i just think that would be a really interesting take on it did you ever see the stage show of the exorcist uh no i didn't i heard it, it was, was quite good it was um the actual production was shit right but the staging and the effects and stuff like that was fascinating like really cool okay um as in like practical effects yeah yeah like it was very yeah very well done that was a thing. There's also Night of the Living Dead Live, which is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But we'll come on to that. We're never. <laughs> <laughs> right. On to my first choice. So I kind of touched on this briefly in a previous episode where I referred to a film that was so bad it made Sean Connery retire from acting. And that film is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So the idea behind The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is it was kind of so it's a comic book series made by alan moore and it basically takes characters from literature and kind of teams them all up so the film had so alan quartermain captain nemo tom sawyer dorian gray uh dr jekyll and mr hyde moriarty rocked up in there somewhere you had an invisible man and the film was awful (laughs) it was the cgi was dated by the time it was 
So apparently Sean Connery only did it because... So he received a script and he turned it down because he didn't understand it. Nice. And that was Lord of the Rings. (laughs) So he was offered Gandalf, apparently turned it down because he didn't understand what it meant. So the next time he received a script that he didn't understand, he took it. And turns out that was the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Ah. and I'm certain he hasn't worked since because he hated the experience of it. Nearly as bad decision making for his career as Will Smith. Very, yeah, it's definitely up there. But the thing with the comics is comics obviously has kind of a lot more leeway in picking characters to be in it. So characters that have been in it or kind of referenced include like Beowulf, Bill and Ben, as in the Flower Pot Men, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Santa Claus, The Doctor, Doctor Doolittle, um, not the horrific Welsh accented Robert Downey Jr. version, which I will rant about <laughs> another day. Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein's monster, Sherlock Holmes, Hornblower, Don Quixote, Captain Pugwash, Valjean has rocked up as like graffiti on a sewer wall, so you can have all the lame is characters in there. Thomas the Tank Engine, and it all color- it's there's also the Antichrist who isn't referenced by name, but he's a young spectacled boy with a thunder scar on his forehead. Um, So you've got all of these characters and such kind of a vast pull to bring these from. Only director I think that could do it would be James Gunn. Mm -hmm. So James Gunn has... Yeah, he's he's shown that he can do comic book adaptations. Mm -hmm. He's shown that he can do not just comic book adaptations, but groups... So Guardians of the Galaxy, the kind of the dynamic, the, the dynamic there was incredible because you got to know all the characters. The kind of exchange between them was good, and by the end of it, you felt you knew everyone. Mm-hmm. But there were also characters who nobody knew before. No one really, no one was clamoring. No, no one was rioting. Yeah, no one was rioting in the streets for Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like he ended up making yeah. a raccoon seem really, really interesting. Um, and it sounds like he's doing the same with. The Suicide Squad. So he's picked some very interesting characters that nobody necessarily would have. And he would have the opportunity to do that here, but across 300 years of literature. Yeah, nice. Um, Another benefit of having James Gunn is Nathan Fillion would be in it. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yeah, so without a doubt, Nathan Fillion would rock up in it. So I don't know who I would put him as, because you would also have Michael Rooker would have to show up, because he's been in... They were both in Slither, which is a very good film as well. But yeah, they're both... I'm not I'm not sure who I would put Nathan Fillion as. It's a, it is a tough one. Michael Rooker, I think, could play pretty much anyone. He'd make a good Frankenstein's monster, I think. Yeah, you'd have to have um, Sean Gunn in there as well, because... Wherever James goes, Sean goes. He would be grotesquely CGI'd, right? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would, th- I know, throw him in as Bill and Ben. Both of them. Both of them. So like Matt Lucas when he was in uh, Alice in Wonderland, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd take that. So <laughs> she'd get Sean Gunn as Bill and Ben. Yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, you could, you could literally have anyone. So I think like Toad from Wind in the Willows has popped up. You can get, yeah, you can get anyone. And I think James Gunn is the guy who could make some very, very interesting choices and then make you give a shit about them. And I can't think of another director who's shown consistently that he's able to do that. No, um, I, I think it's I think it's a good shout. Also, when you said Toad, Wind of the Willows makes much more sense than me thinking of the character from uh, <laughs> Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely what, that's absolutely where my where my mind went. I mean they've so. had um they've had characters in the comics from Coronation Street. 
Really? Yeah. So you, it, there's nothing stopping it being fucking Toadfish and uh, play it. Play it. We could get really meta, and he could play Toad of Toad Hall. Yeah, sold. Toady is Toad. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to that. But yeah, it's another kind of point why I mentioned this with, you know, movies you would like to see with a different director. Yeah. Is given how incredible the concept of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is, mm. I can't stress how bad the film was. Yeah, I, so, I definitely saw it, and I definitely don't remember much of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then if you take what James Gunn is doing with The Suicide Squad, another superhero ensemble film that massively fell short of its potential um, and has been trusted to kind of bring it back up. We haven't seen that yet, it's not out yet, but you would assume that he'd be able to do the same with, with something like this. Yeah, it, it's, it's a shame. So the, the original director was a guy called Stephen Norrington, who made um so he did blade the original blade okay and since this came out he hasn't done anything not not only do i think it would be an incredible film but it's also kind of the film the subject matter deserves so that's why i would want him to do leave it short judgment so that's my that's the first off of my list anyway yeah like it like it Right, on to my second choice. So, so far we've had um, a ridiculous suggestion by me purely based on Christian propaganda movies. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a terrible film, but upgrading it with a much better director with a proven track record of those kind of films. For my second choice is actually a very, very good film. I think consistently voted one of the one of the best sci-fi films of all time. And that's Back to the Future. <laughs> now, Back to the Future is is great and arguably say arguably definitely doesn't need another director robert zemeckis did a did a great job yeah. i'm sure everyone has seen back to the future but it's the you know it's the it's got all of the comedic stuff it's got michael j fox at kind of the height of his fame i guess or at least kind of catapulted into the height of his fame yeah. and just some really fun time travel with obscure cars from from the era that <laughs> happen to have flux capacitors built into them christopher lloyd is fantastic in it so who who could who could step into robert zemeckis's shoes and create a better back to the future i hear you cry who loves a bit of time travel who loves nothing linear ever doctor who <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> but also Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, if you've seen Tenet, is getting more and more mental with how he is um, just really, I guess, experimenting with yeah the concept of time. Tenet's pretty new, so people might not have seen it yet, so I won't kind of go into any spoilers or anything. But yeah, I think with that, he, I mean, I say I think he's peaked. I'm sure there'll be something else in whatever film he decides to do next where time is even more delinearized, if that's even a word. Even even in films that don't involve time travel, he still fucks around with time. Yeah. Like Memento's backwards. Yes. Dunkirk takes place simultaneously over a week, a day, and an hour. Yeah. It's yeah. He yeah. doesn't he doesn't like simplicity. Not at all. And I mean arguably like interstellar would could potentially be a great yeah. film without the kind of grandfather paradoxing at the end and pushing the stuff off the book bookcase but well, again even, even the uh black hole them on the planet he's yeah. fucking around with time 
but yeah, I just think um, he'd have he'd just have a whale of a time with with Back to the Future, where you know, arguably the the time travel was relatively simplistic. You go back in time, you change things, and it has massive consequences for the future. Taking that concept, but giving it the Chris Nolan spin, where so p- paint me a word picture here. How is he going to make Back to the Future crazy complicated? how does he make it crazy complicated well um so we'll start at it ends with him getting back to the future yeah absolutely i mean yeah (laughs) that's that's that is it i think it's um very literally back to the future i think there there needs to be you need to not know if any of it has actually happened yeah yeah. um uh inception i think um obviously michael caine needs to be in it (laughs) who would you have michael caine as Oh, like you'd either you'd either go full blown. He's Doc Brown. Yeah. Or would you go like cameo? Like he's the one at the beginning who. I think there needs to be a bit of a cameo um, appearance. Maybe Michael Caine is the guy that installed. He's like the flux capacitor repairman or something. Because <laughs> who, who who else does he have rock up in a load of his films? Michael Caine is like the one that is there's always there. Christian Bale turns up a lot. Christian Bale, yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh's now turned up in a few. Tom Hardy's turned up. Tom few. Hardy, yeah. Does he have any younger people? Not or is frequently it just occur. I mean, Harry Styles was in Dunkirk. I'm just right? saying, the, the, the youngest I can think of is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he's too old to play Martin <laughs> McFly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure who you would necessarily... I, oh, let, we'll mix it up. Ellen recast. Page. No, Ellen, Ellen Page is Martin McFly. She nice. looks about 12. You're, you're going you're gonna to really annoy a lot of people with that. But I'd say I'd say yeah, go go Michael Caine as Doc Brown. Just lean in. Just with a thick British accent. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. <laughs> he, he can play. He can, he can play science. He can play science. He can play science. Yes. Um, it's all I'm good. just gonna attempt a really bad Michael Caine accent, saying uh, <laughs> my name is Doc Brown. <laughs> and where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I just, I just think, just adding like this, uh, this element of Chris Nolanism—that's <laughs> not a word. Yeah, really overcomplicating a fairly simple time travel movie with Christopher Nolan um, just seems like it would be a lot of fun, really. I, I, I like the idea, and I, I'm also going to say something divisive now, which I'm not going to—is not open to debate, and I'm not going to discuss it further. Making something complicated doesn't mean it's a good film. Oh, absolutely agree. Just, just feel like that needs to go on record. I'm Abs- sure it will be the subject matter of another podcast <laughs> at some point. But just making things complicated doesn't mean suddenly you've made a genius film. No, no. Or, you know, I don't know if you've seen True of Life, but just making something wanky doesn't make it good either. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Um, I, I I do think... and I, I always mix up what happens between the first Back to the Future and the second one. The whole, like... I'm pretty confident in the first one you have the whole, like him being erased in the picture that's in the first one right yeah and that so so the, the, the first one is him trying to get his parents back together because he's being erased from yeah. the photo second one is going into the future with and Biff and the Biff gets the, out, the yeah yeah and the third one is Wild West which is horrifically underrated yeah I think we I, said this on the first episode yeah I really like that but future three uh, Mike McFly got lynched in it Really? Um, sorry, I don't know why I said that. Uh, Michael <laughs> Michael J. Fox got yeah. lynched in it. Right. So there's a scene where they string him up. Yeah. And apparently his harness slipped. Oh, damn. And the director noted he knew it was a problem because Michael J. Fox isn't that good of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but the whole thing with the, with, with the picture is like, 
the, the whole grandfather paradox, which is really kind of central to a lot of the Chris Nolan stuff, particularly in Interstellar, because with Interstellar, if the stuff that happened at the end didn't happen, then the film wouldn't have ever happened. But it had to have happened for him to do the stuff at the end where he made the things happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that is essentially, you know, it's, it's the similar thing of like, if his parents never got back together. I don't, I, I don't know Chris Nolan's take on having a son try and seduce his mother. We'll ask him. <laughs> we'll get him on Why the not? pod. If, if between now and this going out, we can get a comment, we'll, we'll edit it in. Yeah. Just, just here. Just here. So that's how Chris Nolan would uh, <laughs> would direct someone to, to seduce their mother. Anyway, yeah, there's not much more to it than I thought. Chris Nolan loves fucking around with time. Back to the Future is a really fun time travel movie. Uh, I want to watch it, but also not know what the fuck's going on. And I want to see Michael Caine uh, nice. in a DeLorean. Like, oh, Matthew McConaughey as Doc Brown could be good. That would be very good. I'd yeah. like that. I could fictionally cast this film all day, but let's let's stop there because I have things to say. <laughs> right, so my next choice, um, and this is another good one because it comes with a lot of fictional casting discussions. Nice. Um, is do, do I build into this or do I just flat out come out? With I thought it? where you had the little stutter there, I thought you were doing the starting off the theme song for the movie. Yeah, true. <laughs> so um, yeah, so. My choice, um, and I'm going to go straight into it, is Tim Burton's Jaws. Nice. As um, in the film Jaws, not not what Tim Burton eats his dinner with. Uh, no. So, yeah. So, the film with the shark, because I feel like we need to talk about sharks as often as we can on this podcast. <laughs> so, I'm very aware that without Jaws, the modern blockbuster probably isn't in the place it is. So, mm. Jaws kind of started the whole films coming out in the summer it was like the first or people have argued that it's the first modern blockbuster yeah. and i don't think people fully appreciate just how good it is either like it, it's an incredible piece of cinema oh it's, um, it's fantastic i think half of, i'd say the problem that it, it feels the uh, the animatronics are a little bit dated now which is maybe why it's not maybe not as kind of highly rated as it should be yeah and i mean and that's not a problem we would have with tim burton's jaws <laughs> because the shark would be claymation uh and its singing voice would be Danny Elfman. Because I'm obviously, Tim Burton's Jaws is going to have musical numbers in. Tim Burton's Jaws is also going to have Johnny Depp as Brody. <laughs> nice. Because, of course, Michael Keaton, I would say, would be Quint. Mm-hmm. So I think Michael Keaton can do Shark Hunter quite well. I can see him scratching the blackboard. And then Hooper, so shark expert Hooper. Yeah. Um, obviously... Helena Bonham Carter. Obviously, this is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, so I, I could like imagining those three drunk uh, the scene on the boat where they're all drunk around a table comparing scars. Yeah, I think those three would be incredible, and then you would have the claymation shark. Yeah. So, was it a big shark? It'd be a big shark. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a very very big shark. Not quite sky shark, but very big shark. <laughs> um, you know, there is a trade off. So, again, we wouldn't have a John Williams score. It would be a Danny Elfman score. Yeah. So it would have a bit of a different vibe to it. It would be a lot more gothic. Gothic jewels. So, yeah. yeah. A- a- Amity Island's not going to be nice, pleasant place. It'll be, like, somewhere on the coast with massive, twisted iron fences. Yeah. Danny DeVito as the mayor, maybe? I Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great... Like, Danny DeVito, like, always sunny kind of Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, 
Fun fact, um, the mayor in Jules is Boris Johnson's favourite character in cinema because he keeps the beaches open. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm not saying Tim Burton's Jaws would be better than Jaws. I don't think it would be. But I still desperately want to see that film. Oh, I absolutely would love to see it. Um, he's a filmmaker, I think, who, especially if we're kind of looking at his earlier films. Yeah. Um, I think he's criminally underrated. Because the, the problem with Tim Burton and any kind of director where they're so stylistic is they can end up becoming just kind of a punchline. Yeah, yeah, it's so, a, Oh, that's a Tim Burton film. Yeah, which is funny because that's the entire point of this entry. <laughs> but still, it, it's, I, I don't think people quite give him the credit that he sometimes deserves. So like Ed Wood was an incredible film. Kind of the, the biopic he did of Ed Wood, so the director of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Amazing film. <laughs> Amazingly bad film. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing Tim Burton do Plan 9 from Outer Space either, to no, be honest. No, I'd, I'd watch that. Uh, he's obviously done Big Fish, I think is a beautiful film. Um, oh, uh, which it would be uh, Tim yeah. Burton's Jaws, right? Yeah, damn. <laughs> I should have got that joke. Um, Mars Attacks. Yeah. So Mars Attacks, which has one of my favourite pieces of movie trivia in, in that he cast Jack Nicholson in a character who was going to die. Um, the studio told him, you can't kill Jack Nicholson. So Tim Burton cast him as three characters and killed them all. <laughs> nice. A big fuck um, you to the studio. Yeah, like... Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice. See, um, and the good thing with Beetlejuice, right, is in Beetlejuice you say Beetlejuice three times and he appears, yeah? We've just said it three times, so we have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but with Tim Burton's Jaws, you know, dun, dun. <laughs> third time, shark's there. And ah, I, think promise, I, I, don't think, I don't think Danny Elfman would, I, I don't think he's a dirder kind of guy. I think he'd do something weirder. It would be that on like a xylophone. Or a, or a tin whistle. <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying like danny elfman's song you're going to need a bigger boat yeah is going to be up there with the best of them tim burton's an incredible director and i think his style would be incredible for a shark movie based off an island yeah i'd um, I'd, I'd watch it the shark's claymation anything else just the shark i was just thinking that i'm i'm not sure the entire thing, Claymation, could be interesting, but I think just have it like, um, or maybe go Beetlejuice style. So whenever they leave the island, suddenly everything's Claymation. Okay. And maybe have everything or at sea as everything under the sea. Or perhaps. everything under the sea. Yeah. So, but then you'd have to have like a half Claymation, half animatronic shark, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, true. That's a tough one. But no, let's go just shark. The just, okay. just, the, just shark the shark is Claymation. But yeah, I, I can see that being a interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd watch um, it. It's, it's a very good film, but just a very, very different take on a very good film. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be like an Edinburgh, an Edinburgh Fringe show somewhere that's a Jaws musical. Everything's been a musical at the Edinburgh Fringe, hasn't it? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my, uh, that's my next choice. Tim Burton's Jaws. It's... Uh, Big Fish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that brings us on to my third choice and one of the kind of main reasons of, of thinking about this topic. I'm going to go just let you in on the director first, which is, is probably my favourite, if not definitely one of my favourite directors in Quentin Tarantino. Now, this could have gone a lot of ways because there are a lot of interesting things you could do with Tarantino's style on different, different movies. But my thinking for where I ended up here is, firstly... 
Tarantino loves a genre of film, right? He's yeah. he's tackled a lot of them. He got stuck in westerns for a bit, but he generally did, yeah. every film was a different genre. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, even in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's like doing a western within a film that's yeah. not a western. Yeah. However, he, he does love a genre movie. He's done quite a few. My first thought was, I want to see a Tarantino zombie film. But then technically I kind of had have with Planet Terror. True. He did Death Proof though. He did do Death Proof. So I could have used that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He okay, he was he was too attached to <laughs> Grindhouse was one film in in itself and should have been viewed as such, and the fact that it was distributed separately over here was a crime against cinema. Okay, I would still like to see Tarantino do a zombie film. I'll cut that out. (laughs) Yeah, so, so, okay, well, what... Okay, let's say, rather than zombie films, horror movies, and yeah, he's arguably done that with with, um, the Grindhouse film with Grindhouse films with Robert Rodriguez. Then I thought, okay, fantasy. I want to see a Quentin Tarantino fantasy movie, and that fantasy movie that I want to see Quentin Tarantino direct is uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. <laughs> nice, nice. I can see that. Um, specifically The Two Towers because of the Helm's Deep battle. I'm thinking the Crazy 88 fight in Kill Bill, but with lots of um, orcs and Urukai. So would what would Tarantino's cameo be? Oh, that's a very, very good shout. Maybe like the, is it Worm Tongue? Oh, nice! I like that. Like that he's in it enough, but he's not a he's not a main character, and, and he's also yeah. He'll inexplicably put on an Australian accent again. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'd watch that. Well, and then you'd obviously Leo would need to be in it. Christoph Waltz would need to rock up at it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So you've got, I mean, Samuel Jackson as I don't know, but you know, there's there's Gandalf. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm watching it. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely, Samuel Jackson. The motherfucking turning of the tide. Yeah. <laughs> you've got, you've probably got Uma Thurman coming in for Liv Tyler. Um, Uma Thurman as Galadriel would be really good. Yeah. But I'm not sure she's in Two Towers. Is she just in the first and third one? Uh, I'm not sure, but... Fuck um, it, I'll extend it out to a trilogy. We're fine. Quentin Tarantino's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. And yeah, just I think also with the Lord of the Rings films is obviously is a is a fairly linear story but there's a lot of jumping around to like individual stories like yeah. when the two less important hobbits with the tree ent people is its own Merry and Pippin and Treebird <laughs> there, there you go <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan even just an R-rated Lord of the Rings film yeah, absolutely. Like Tar- Tarantino obviously brings a lot to it, but just an R-rated hard fantasy film would be incredible. Yeah, I don't think is are there any that really exist. Um, there will be, but none, not nothing like nothing that jumps mainstream because right? it's usually it's magic and wizards, so it's aimed at families. Yeah, like R-rated Harry Potter would be all that. Oh. Quentin Tarantino and the Philosopher's Stone. I'd watch that. <laughs> but yeah, like the whole the fact that it's it's linear, but there's a lot of stories that are going at the same time, and he's got a very good track record. You know, like with Pulp Fiction, how he stitches all of yep. those together, and also the kind of the similar to Reservoir Dogs in the fact that 
like you you've got what's happening now but you you know you go back and you see how mr orange got involved with everything and yeah. whatnot and you know what back to like the war of the ring and how everything started and how he could kind of piece all of this together into what is already a fantasy epic but one that is is very typically um you know similar to tim burton right tarantino has a style yeah and, and, and like you said i mean two two towers is the film where all the threads all the character threads are separate yeah and he's definitely very very masterful at kind of tying those separate threads together yeah a- a- absolutely and then yeah just the as you said a pure r-rated like orc blood everywhere gimli and um uh Legolas. <laughs> Shouldn't do this with a hangover, man. Really shouldn't <laughs> do this with a hangover. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the whole bit at Helm's Deep with Gimli and Legolas, and they're doing the like competing who kills the most orcs. That, but kind of like caked in green blood, which I'm assuming orcs have yeah. green blood. It would have a hell of a soundtrack. It would have a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. I think leaning more towards like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, where it was like cherry picked existing songs yeah. rather than an original score. I just want to see it. I think. <laughs> I think the main thing when when it came to just, like just Helms Deep, just just, just let him yeah, do Helms even, Deep. Even even if yeah, even if all he did was Helms Deep, yeah, just just want to see it. I love I love pretty much everything Tarantino's done. The his bit in Four Rooms was a bit weird, but yeah, it's got the four separate directors and they each direct yep. their own bit of the yep. movie. And Tim Roth is Tim Roth would also need to be in uh, Lord of the Rings somewhere as well. He looks like an orc anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's Tim Roth uh, off the uh, episode guest uh, guest list. <laughs> yeah, damn. So yeah, that's. I'm sure you know he's got one more film left, right? He said he's going to do. He's going to oh, do he, ten he, films. He's he's going to keep doing films. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's just the way it works. Well, that's good because if it's going to be more than just the one film, he can do the entire trilogy. Yeah, true. Um, and possibly a really extended uh, prequel trilogy with the uh, with. Quentin Tarantino is The Hobbit. Ah, uh, The Hobbit. <laughs> well, speaking of directors doing other films, that was supposed to be Guillermo del Toro. Oh, really? Yeah. I so that. Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do The Hobbit. Um, there were delays in production, so we left to do either work on a Cthulhu Lovecraft thing. Right. Um, and I think he ended up doing Crimson Peak. Okay. But yeah, he was supposed to, which would have been incredible because his like creature design and stuff like that is always yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. But, and yeah, so he's he's got he potentially has the uh, has the time to do to do a trilogy of Lord of the Rings movies. I'm I'm absolutely here for it. Need to figure out who would be Gollum, obviously. Um, maybe John Travolta. Well, Tarantino doesn't really do. He hasn't done any motion capture, has he? Yeah. Maybe Gollum. I'll take Travolta as uh, <laughs> Travolta as Gollum. Or maybe maybe uh, is it Joey Travolta? John Travolta's yeah 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 as from. Gollum. From uh, Ghost Writer, which is a really niche reference that not many of you will have seen the terrible uh, Landers Sisters film, Ghost Writer. But I implore you to do so, and I'm sure we'll speak about it again. For my final choice, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you the director, and then I'm going to talk you through a plot. Right. So the director is so Jennifer Kent. So, she did The Babadook, right? Yeah, so she's an Australian director. Um, she did The Babadook, which is an incredible kind of look at, depending on your reading of it, of kind of like depression um, and, you know, motherhood and things like that. And it's it's a phenomenal film. 
Um, she also did the Nightingale. So the Nightingale was very close to being a choice for last week's episode. <laughs> um, it is a complete, like, unflinching look on colonialism, sexual violence, abuse of power. It's it's incredible. It's um, the only reason I didn't choose it last week was because it is such an unflinching look at a lot of things that especially us as white men would not even think about. Mm. Um, I think it's important for people to actually watch it and possibly watch it again. So Makes sense. Yeah, so it's a very, very good film and she's a very, very good director when it comes to, again, the kind of the mental health side of things power dynamics and kind of women in cinema as well so that's jennifer kent that's what she does okay so yeah so that's the director um and now what i'm going to do is tell you the plot of the film that she will direct okay okay so this is going to be her first science fiction film right it's about a spaceship which is uh traveling to kind of a distant star with um a crew of people on board in hibernation so Woman wakes up, finds out that she's woken up 90 years earlier than she should have, and that she's alone on the spaceship and the rest of the crew and passengers are asleep. Right. She then meets a guy who's also woken up, and they bond. They uh, become friends. Um, They eventually get into a relationship. um, And then she finds out that he released her from her pod. So he's right. the reason she woke up early. It wasn't a system failure. He became obsessed with her, broke the pod, so she woke up, and she's now condemned to live on this ship with this guy, and basically she knows she's going to die. So it's like reverse Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> reverse Sleeping Beauty. In space. Um, it then turns out there's kind of other issues going on and they have to kind of she has to work with him to stop the ship from being destroyed and save everyone on it right um but obviously there's this lingering thing that he's he's condemned her to die because he thought it was the right thing to do because he didn't want to be alone right and the con the condemning to die is because she's now going to be awake for 90 years and therefore yeah, right, yeah. so okay. by the time they get to their destination and everyone else wakes up yeah she's going to be dead long dead yeah so that's a horror movie yeah it sounds that, like it that yeah. is a hundred percent the plot of a horror movie you could then even kind of bring in you know maybe she wasn't the first maybe he's woken up people before you know yeah. maybe he's got obsessed with other people on on the craft woken them up and then you know other things happen but it's an incredible look at yeah again abuse of power Mm -hmm. it's this guy thinking he knows what's best for everyone gets obsessed with this woman and then ultimately ends up in essence murdering her so this film is called passengers chris pratt right chris pratt so passengers was a film um from 2016 with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. And that is basically the plot of the film. Yeah. But it's told from Chris Pratt's perspective. The the actual film. The actual film is okay. told from Chris Pratt's perspective. So because of a malfunction, he wakes up 90 years earlier. Yeah. Um, befriends Michael Sheen, who's a... Um, robot butler? Robot thing? bartender. Bartender. Which is yeah, great. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. 
ends up on the ship for a year by himself, um, finds Jennifer Lawrence's pod, who's called Aurora. So it really is reverse Sleeping Beauty. So she's she's asleep. He falls in love with her through like her videos. Like he finds like a crew file or passenger file. Right. Um, falls in love with her, decides to wake her up um, so that he's not alone anymore. And then it's kind of, it's not exactly a romantic comedy, but we're supposed to sympathize with it. Right. But that action condemns her to death. Mm-hmm. Like there's no beating around the bush. <laughs> that condemns her to death. Well, um, I, I guess not only, like, ultimately she will die anyway at some point after that period of time has passed, but he's condemning her to death in a life that he's essentially choosing for her, yeah, right? Where yeah. she's not going to see any, I don't know who else is on this ship, but she's not going to see any, like, friends, family, anything There's no, like that again. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're the only two people awake on yeah. the ship at that time. She eventually finds out because of a hilarious set of circumstances where Michael Sheen accidentally tells her. <laughs> they obviously have a massive falling out because of the aforementioned doomed to die. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out the, the reason Chris Pratt woke up is... Uh, spoilers, by the way, but also never watch this film. Um, <laughs> there was a system... There was They got hit by like a small meteor which destroyed something. Right. So if he, they weren't awake, they wouldn't have been able to save the ship. Yeah, and it turns out they need two people to save the ship. Oh, well, that's handy. So it was totally okay that Chris Pratt <laughs> took these decisions for this sleeping woman. Yeah, and that's fine, and it's great, and that's yeah, it's a series of very weird decisions to make. Um, and I think Jennifer Lawrence has now gone on record saying that, with hindsight, she realizes it was a bit of kind of dubious subject matter. But it was heralded as... Yeah. They tried to make this film for years. There were a lot of people who've kind of been attached to the film at various times. So at one point, it was supposed to be Keanu Reeves and Emily Blunt. Uh, Reese Witherspoon has been attached to it at one point. Rachel McAdams was attached to it at one point. It, it It's always been like this big like development hell film. So everyone right. was really excited for it when it came out. And then when it came out, it was just just didn't sit right. Okay. And so your and so your premise of of the director change would yeah. be to then I guess take it from Jennifer Lawrence's point of view. Yeah. And so what's you you, there. you go just switching the perspective and having a better understanding of again like power dynamics and things like that would suddenly turn it into a completely different film. Yeah. So it would go from a very problematic, middle-of-the-road sci-fi, I guess thriller, but kind of very middle-of-the-road, distinctly average movie, to very, very interesting. Because, like I said, with the the way I described it originally, that that is the plot of a horror film. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All you need, if, if the only thing you need to do in a film is switch the perspective to a different character and it becomes a horror movie something isn't right no especially when you're supposed to want them to get together yeah i was gonna say it the it's it's right if that's what you're going for yeah is that that could actually be really interesting if that's what you're going for yeah yeah but especially in a romance film yeah if you switch perspective and it becomes a horror movie (laughs) that's that's not okay it's um yeah like i said i mean it's 
given that we just did a podcast of us recommending you things, I could not recommend passages to anyone. It's that the before. I mean, the the cast is good. Um, Andy Garcia turns up for literally twenty seconds, which doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Right. Um, but I have all the time in the world for Michael Sheen, <laughs> and Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence are obviously very good at what they do. But yeah. it's just yeah, the film doesn't sit right. But if you had Jennifer Kent, who is an incredible director and very understanding of everything that would have made this film good, yeah, yeah. it would elevate this film to just so far beyond what it could be. Being more of a, a commentary on things rather than just a bit of a a misguided take on a, on yeah. a, and an, on a you know arguably an interesting premise of a film. But yeah, having that, having the underlying kind of, uh, telling it from the right perspective, I think, yeah. is probably the. Uh... But yeah, I mean, it, it's that. That's again, that that's why I would like to see it with the different director because yeah. it goes from a very, it would actually use what is a very interesting premise, but in the right way, rather than for a, kind of middle of the film. Oh no, will they? <laughs> won't they? Yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned this though, because um, in talking about it, um, you've given me a casting idea for um, the Exorcist um, remake that we spoke about earlier. Um, now that Chris Pratt has gone kind of evangelical Christian, um, I want him playing the priest in um, my uh, reimagining of the Exorcist by the guy who did God's Not Dead. Nice, I'd watch that. <laughs> but with, I mean, yeah, with this, I mean, I don't even really think it would need to be recast, like keep everything the same just changing the director and the perspective turns it into suddenly a different film entirely yeah it's i i I haven't actually haven't seen i know the the basic premise of it and i remember seeing the trailers when it was coming out and thinking oh that actually looks really good i want to see it oh yeah yeah um and i think probably part of that was probably because of the cast um at the time it was you know i mean they're, they're still massive stars in hollywood but i think it was kind of post Guardians of the Galaxy so Chris Pratt was kind of as 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 sought after an actor as you could get at that time and obviously Jennifer Lawrence um is is always in in that argument as well she's the one one reason I went and saw um Red Sparrow which was a terrible film <laughs> but yeah I it, it does it's interesting because my I I am I kind of I know you said not to watch it but I kind of want to see it because I want to see how far it missed the mark if that makes sense it's it's so weird because given the weird take it has on it, Jennifer Lawrence was still paid a lot more than her male co-star. Right. Which is a massive, like that, that's That huge. doesn't happen. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> like, that is such kind of a big progressive thing to happen. And then they make this film, which is the, one of the least progressive things you could think of. It's, it's just crazy. But yeah, I mean, and, and like I kind of mentioned before, like the, the, the Nightingales are just an incredible film. No, yeah, I mean, I, I also haven't seen that. But strongly recommend to people, but yeah, it's uh, read a little bit about it before if you haven't heard of it because it is yeah, it's an unflinching and difficult watch, but on very important subjects. Yeah, definitely belonged in last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, that's Jennifer Kent's Passengers. Nice, I'm I'm intrigued. That's our choices. Now it's on to the top three. The top three of the top threes. So it's a diff- it's ones like this are difficult because I have so bigged up my ones in my head that I'm going to take some convincing to not have them. Um, 
I would put Passengers up there just because I think it's such a... It wouldn't just be interesting with a different director. It would actively, vastly improve the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'd put that there. Uh, Tim Burton's Jaws, I think, would be an incredible film. And then James Gunn's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, kind of similar to Passengers in that not only would it be an interesting take, it would be an actively better take than what we ended up with. <laughs> Um, not yeah, not not particularly hard either though. No, true, true. Um, uh, Chris Nolan's Back to the Future. I'd be very very interested in seeing what he does. Yeah, um, I also just want to know what you know, like uh, at the end of Inception with the the like little wobble of the spinning top thing. Like what what would what would the wobble of the spinning top be in Back to the Future? Just to make you question whether or not any of it happened. You you would end up having like a load of Polaroids. Where you aren't sure if he's still fading or not. Nice, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, so my personally, my top three would be Passengers, Back to the Future, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Interesting. I I would I would say that Tarantino's Lord of the Rings needs to be in there. I so I I, I think Tarantino's Two Towers could be, Tarantino's Two Towers. <laughs> uh, I think Tarantino's Two Towers could be very good, but I'm not sure his style would come across in a fantasy. I'm not sure it's the right playground for him to play in. I just think he's done he's done a lot of different genres and he's kind of nailed them. Um, even to the point of like some of the stylized stuff. Like I really enjoyed in in Kill Bill. Um, the Oranishi, um, Orenishi origin story that was all done in anime. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And obviously, it's a, I guess, a martial arts kind of take on on or his take on kind of like a, a martial arts film. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I just I just want to, and I want you know, it, it comes back to what you said earlier. Is like, name me and like an R rated fantasy film. Um, I just think like. I don't know. I feel like the genre could could do with something where it is just um, kind of yeah, balls to the wall violence and um, and fun really. And I think um, what better place to do that than chucking um, Tarantino directing the Helm's Deep battle scene? True. Has Tarantino done battle scenes? I well, I think the um, like he's done massive fight scenes, but has has he done battles before? Uh. Probably not, no, because the closest would have been, I think, the the crazy eighty eight in in Kill Bill. But again, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I know. I I I'd be a lot more sold on Chris Nolan doing Back to the Future. Just I, I think Tarantino, Tarantino's very good, but I think his strength is in. So like in Glorious Bastards, where it was the bar scene, or um, I mean the, the opening scene. The opening scene in Glorious Bastards, Bastards is which like... is two people talking for fifteen minutes. Yeah, I, I I think that's where his strength is, and I don't think his strength could come out in massive epic set pieces. Yeah, interesting, but also you know I think um, I I think an extended dialogue of uh, Samwise Gamgee talking about potatoes. Um, would be <laughs> would be perfect for for Tarantino's style. True, true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 it is a tough one, but yeah, that's my thought on Tarantino. I think Chris Nolan's Back to the Future would be hugely complicated. Oh, it'd be, <laughs> it would be absolutely ridiculous, but I'm 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 there for it. 
I'm there for it. And uh, Harold Cronk, uh, who I just had to relook at my notes to see who, <laughs> who that director was doing The Exorcist, whilst I think is um, potentially hilarious. Yeah, prob- probably doesn't make the cut of the top three for the podcast. Yeah, I mean... Pff. So are we... Are we? I'm happy Passengers, happy Chris Nolan. I think the 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 um, the disagreement is between Tarantino's Two Towers, um, which gets an extra point for alliteration, I think, um, versus uh, James Gunn's Lead of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, Gunn's Gentlemen, you mean, <laughs> if we're going for alliterations. Um, for, for me personally, I would like to see both of them. I think they'd both be very good films. The difference is, I think, Lord of... Lord. Lord. The Lords of Extraordinary the Gentlemen. Lords of Extraordinary uh, Gentlemen. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen would be notably better than the original, while Tarantino's Two Towers would be a very good interpretation of something we already have a very good film of. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And actually, if you were talking about... Like, if I read tomorrow that James Gunn was doing a new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie, I could absolutely believe that was happening. Tarantino rebooting Lord of the Rings is never going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, his Star Trek's kind of gone down the pan, hasn't it? Yeah, it was it was mooted for a while, yeah. and then it just seems to have it seems to have died out. And actually, yeah, I think um, the strength of what Tarantino does as well is, you know, it's you can you can literally get this on t-shirts and cushions and everything. It's written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, yeah. right? So I don't know how Brackets good and Tolkien. Yeah, how good <laughs> he he might not be as I'm convincing myself out of it now. But how good he would be picking up someone else's work and doing his own spin on it. Yeah, because I, mean, I think like, he likes that control. Yeah, I mean, I kind of put kind of Jaws in a similar kind of vein as that. In that, Tim Burton's Jaws won't be as good as Jaws. It, no. it would be good in a very different way, but it's it, it's not a noticeable set up. So for for me, I also actually should hit third. I actually think as well, um, now thinking about it a bit more, Tarantino is going to get massively distracted um, filming uh, any Lord of the Rings films um, because of all the Hobbit feet that are out all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't want a film of just <laughs> Hobbit feet. <laughs> but that's where it would be. It would be that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with... I think, I think um, of everything, I actually would like to see yeah James Gunn do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um right. so yeah, that's that's the that's the top three, I think. Um cool. So we have so number one, uh Jennifer Kent's Passengers. Number two, Christopher Nolan's Back to the Future. And then number three, James Gunn's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So that's our top three list of movies you would like to see with a different director. Um, if you disagree, if you agree, if you have your own choices, uh, you can message us or on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. Or on Twitter, we are nobody asked for pod with the number four. And uh, obviously kind of rate us on uh, kind of Apple Podcasts. Um, five stars would help us out. If not, don't bother. Yeah, and by rank us and rate us, that's the podcast, not us individually, because I don't want Ian to feel bad about his inferior ranking. I give you five stars, baby. <laughs> Every day. Cue music. Ugh, no one asked for this.